Hey, this is episode 272 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Dancing for Diabetes, Omnipod, and Dexcom. You can go to Dexcom.com slash juicebox, myomnipod.com slash juicebox, or dancing the number four diabetes.com to find out more about the sponsors. And if you have trouble remembering any of those web addresses, you can always go to juiceboxpodcast.com or click on the links right there in the show notes of your podcast player. This is kind of fortuitous. I'm messaging with one of you right now as I'm recording this. So I'm not going to give like last names or anything like that. But one of you is letting me know about their two children, siblings, who started last, let's see, three months ago with an A1C of seven. And today they got their A1Cs back five, nine and five, eight respectively. Maeve has had type one for about two and a half years while Aiden has had type one for two years. And uh, they're doing great. Their mom was just letting me know how excited she was. And she said she wanted to shout it from the rooftops. And I told her to go outside and yell, don't worry about the neighbors. But then I thought, you know what? I'll help you shout from the rooftops. We'll do it right here on the podcast. So Maeve and Aiden, congratulations. Great job. All right, I'm running out of music. Today's guest is Drew Holder. Drew has had type 1 diabetes for a very long time. He was a professional baseball player. And I thought this week with the World Series coming up, what a great time to talk to somebody who used to play. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before becoming bold with insulin or making any changes to your healthcare plan. My name is Drew Holder. I've had type 1 diabetes since age 3. I've had a lot of different experiences through the highs and lows of diabetes. I've been able to play professional baseball, be a husband and a father, and now a working professional. So you were diagnosed in what year, do you know? 1986. 86. And how old were you again? 3 years old. I was just just after 3 I got diagnosed. Wow. You called me Sarah a second ago, which now I'm going to leave in. And I thought, how much older could I be than you? But I believe I graduated from high school in 89. So <laughs> we can keep the Sarah thing going a little. I'm just kidding. Uh, Drew, I, I will. No, no, please. I'm joking. But I have, I'm so interested. Like you reached out and your note was very like, I, you know, I'd like to be helpful if I could be. And if I'm, you know, if I could share something interesting, I would love to. So um, I was really excited because I have a ton of questions for you. Oh, thank you. Let's start a little slow. How did you find the podcast? Man, I think it was by chance. I think I just, I just looked at on Apple Podcasts. I was, I, mean, I always think about diabetes and what's going on, and I think I just searched type one diabetes, and your podcast popped up, and I started listening. I listened to a podcast with Jeffrey Brewer. Um, I like what he's doing a lot with Bigfoot. Yeah, me too. And then I listened to Chris Rudin just because of his background and working out and then hearing about your daughter. And, you know, I just, obviously there's common ground. I think we all feel that as kids or adults with type one, I think we just, it's just such an easy conversation starter. Yeah. And it's difficult to find people who have this in common, really. I mean, it's not, it's not just easy to, you know, you don't walk into the gym to meet people and, you know, somebody just pops up. It's like, I have diabetes. Like, where do you, you know, I, I, I hear from people all the time who say that this podcast is their only connection to people who have type one. 
they just don't know anyone in their personal life. So I'm I'm glad you found it. I really am. And I'm glad. No, I'm, thank you. I'm glad I got it set up correctly in the searches. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, you diagnosed at three. Uh, let's go there for a second. Uh, parents together? Yes, sir. Uh, my mom, funny enough, is was a nurse or still is a nurse, but she was kind of in denial. You know, I would sit there at the faucet and drink glasses, glass after glass of water, go to the bathroom, come back. And this probably went on for, I think they said three weeks, but my grandfather saw a article in the newspaper in Austin, in the Austin American Statesman about symptoms of type one diabetes. And he was like, Hey, to my parents, like, Hey, you need to go check, get him checked. So finally they took me in and my mom knew all the signs, but and then finally, my, you know, my glucose readings were off the charts on the, on the glucose meter. I mean, I think it read just HI. So then they knew, okay, well, let's treat it now. Do you think, have you ever spoken to your mom about it? Do you think she just was trying to prolong what she knew was coming? Or did she just try to work up the nerve? Or what do you think it was? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, now that I think as, I'm, as a dad, I mean, I'm so quick to, you know, think the worst, but still hope for the best. You know, I think that's just where she was like, man, I hope he doesn't have diabetes. Let's just keep seeing if it gets better, you know? Oh, for sure. Listen, we're a couple of generations removed. Um, you know, my father would have been like, he'll be okay. You, you know, just, <laughs> just tell him to keep going. Uh, that's right. so I, I, so I see that. Okay. So three years old, 1986, When's your first real recollection of your diabetes? Like when, do, when you think back on it, how, what age do you get to? Man, good question. I, I, honestly, I think it was probably around, you know, anywhere eight, nine, 10. Mm-hmm. Obviously I don't remember anything or not obviously, but I don't remember anything before age three or life before diabetes for me. True. I burned my finger at my fifth birthday party. And if that wouldn't have happened, I don't remember my life till I'm like 12. So (laughs) I'm just wondering, like, when does it come into your consciousness enough that you remember as an adult? So that that's just that's interesting that, you know, I think, too, for parents who are worried sometimes that their children are being this, you know, horribly impacted by this disease. You see that a lot. People are very concerned about it, probably rightfully so. But at the same time, you know, I think I always try to share with them the story that, you know, Arden probably had 10,000 injections when she was little. Mm. And then we switched to a pump when she was like four years old, maybe getting closer to five. And it took a few years before we ever had to pull out a syringe again. And when we did, she didn't even know what it was. Wow. You know, and that's that kind of the message I want to leave with parents. Like, I know you feel like you're doing something that's just going to, you know, run your kids over forever, but really, we don't remember anything. You know, when, when we're little, like, how much do you remember, really? So Yeah, that's such a good word. You're yeah, right. Yeah. So, okay, so um, you have a G6, you told me in your in your email, but do you pump or are you injecting? Yes, sir. So I, so I injected for 20 years, so from age three to basically 22, so I guess 19 years. Okay. And then I got on my first insulin pump, and then I've been kind of on insulin pump therapy with, you know, a few breaks here and there, but for the past 13 years, okay. insulin pump. Okay. So now, and I have a, I have a tandem pump now. You're using a tandem now. What have you yes, used? Uh, how many have you, how many different ones have you used over there? So I had a Cosmore. I don't, most people probably don't even remember that, but that was my first pump. Um, and I was actually, when I, that was when I started professional baseball with the Astros mm-hmm. and they, they made me kind of the, 
I guess, a spokesperson or a, you know, I would, I would travel around, speak for them. The comp, the pump, the pump company did back then. Yeah. The deck, I think it was, uh, Cosmo. I can't even remember. I think it was the subsidiary of Animus or Johnson and Johnson. You're going to make me look while you're talking, but I think it's Cosmo, right? Cos- yeah. Cosmo. You keep talking. So, so you, you worked with them a little bit, kind of traveled around telling people about the pump. Yes. And then I, and then, I don't know, three or four years, I upgraded to the Animus. Had that for, I don't know, five, six years. And and then finally just upgraded to the Tandem. You went to the Tandem now. This is so interesting. The Delco Cosmo. <laughs> should, see this, should see this website. Um, well, it looks like it was... It looked it looked durable, so it was it looked like it was built well. It was Dude, it was made it was made out of uh, it was made out of a helmet, like baseball helmet. Like so, if I dropped it, it it couldn't break. You know. Yeah, that that is really the, my first thought when I looked at. it. I was like, wow, it does look really durable. Like it just like it like you could have thrown it against the wall and it would have been okay. Um, <laughs> so so um, tell me something. Like, what age did you start playing baseball? Do you remember that? Uh, six years old. And right into like little league or, or local ball, like in your town. Yeah, yes, sir. Just the local. We call it town and country in Austin. I played one season of t-ball, and then you know went through all the different age groups. Going after that. Do you remember? So you've obviously you've hit on something that I'm really interested in because my son's a, a freshman in college right now playing baseball. So um, my son started playing when he was four. And it was the, the he he's a, a February birthday, and my my wife was like he 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 wants to start playing baseball now. And I was always like, oh Kelly, he's like three. Like how do you know what he wants to do? And she's like, well, and she's like, well look how good he is at it. He should try it, you know. And I was like, Kelly, I think you have to be five to play baseball. And she's like, no way. Like he'll be four when the season starts, just because he's three now. And I'm and so my wife basically, I was I was you know spouse bullied into contacting um, the local YMCA. And I said, um, you know, look, my son will be four when the spring starts. Uh, is there any chance he could start playing this year? Because my wife seems really intent on this happening. And um, and the guy's like, you know, let me see him play. And if he looks like he won't get hurt and everything. And the guy's like, yeah, sure, let him do it. So I I don't know how many people know this. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about diabetes a lot today. But we're going to talk about some baseball, too. But it's not really baseball. But first, ooh, this is exciting for you, Drew. You don't even realize. But it's time for Arden. <laughs> it's time for Arden's lunch bolus, which people right. love to hear about. So um, today is day one of her new G6. So she's had it on now for about 12 hours. It's looking pretty pretty right with the blood we did one finger stick today and it looked right so i'm gonna trust it her blood sugar is 131 we're gonna do a temp basil increase let's get a pretty big lunch i'm gonna go 70 percent for an hour and a half and so what that does is it adds about two units of insulin over the next hour and a half just through basil and then we're gonna do a bolus um, hmm. All right, Drew, hold on a second. Banana, popcorn, half a sandwich, yogurt, peaches, grapes. All right, ready? Three for the sandwich, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Let's say 12 units. Extend. I like this because I'm looking at my pump now and I'm able to adjust my, my readings too. 60% now. Um, and the rest over a half hour. 
So my my idea here is it's a pretty mixed lunch, right? There's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in there, but there's also some fruits. So there's simple sugar. Uh, there's not a ton of beyond the the bread with the sandwich. There's not a lot of real kind of like heavier carbs. So I'm going to get a lot of the insulin in now to kind of combat, you know, get a nice pre-bolus going. Hopefully she'll start eating in about 10 minutes. Maybe I can get her, you know, 120-ish, like moving in that direction. And then I like the insulin to have a nice momentum. Like I like it. I want it to be out in front, right? And I agree. So, yeah. So when those simple sugars start hitting, hopefully we can hold them at bay, use the temp basil and the extended bowls to spread out the insulin a little more over the meal. And hopefully... Well, we'll see where we go. We'll find out in an hour, Joe. Uh, so, okay. So you start. So my son starts playing baseball at four. He's played every year, absolutely since then. Um, I he loves. Oh, hold on a second. Now she's telling me. Hold on one second. She got to, she got to lunch quickly, uh, more quickly than I expected her to. So she's. They must have sent them in early. So now I've told her to kill the extended bolus. We're going to throw in all 12 units right now because she's sitting at the table. Oh, jeez. Okay, Drew. It'll still work out. Don't What's worry. her insulin to carb ratio? Oh, Drew, I have no idea. I don't pay attention to that. I don't count carbs. <laughs> I, I just oh, okay. I, I look at the meal and I think that looks like 12 units to me. And yeah, that's kind of how we did it growing up too. Right. I mean, we had no... Well, you didn't have this gear, right? So you're just... Oh, no. Yeah, you're guessing, right? <laughs> how does... Yeah. How does it change having glucose monitoring from not like what's the biggest difference? Oh man, it I don't know. For me, that's like the biggest deal. Just to just to know where you are at all times. I mean, I can just I mean, I had six diabetic seizures growing up. Like I guess through my life. I even had one in college, but just the roller coaster of the highs and lows when I gave shots, that's the big difference for me is the the CGM basically is telling me. Am I going up, going down? And even and now with the tandem, it actually shuts off if I'm if I'm diving in the middle of the night, which sometimes I tend to do because of whatever happened during the day. That tandem has that it's called basal IQ, right? It, it it if it feels you going down, it it just kills it kills your but your the, all your background insulin and it shuts everything down for a while. Correct. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's pretty damn handy. Um, we are having a a a a. a cluster here today with Art, and she's like but i already did the extended one <laughs> so i'll tell her to stop it and tell me what delivered so yeah i i would say that that variability that you're talking about like the up and the down and the bouncing that's that's not only just hard on your body but it creates you know i always say highs cause lows right and oh yeah you, you get high you start bolusing and then boom um tell me what delivered one oh okay not much went in. So only a unit went in. So now she's going to put in the other. We canceled the extended bolus. She's going to put in the other 11 units, and we're all set. All right, Joe. Um, anyway, okay, so we're, we're jumping around a little bit here. But anyway, we'll, we'll track Arden's bolus and see how that goes as well. So what I was going to say is, that people might not realize that, you know, I, I know the numbers for my son, but I'm sure they're very similar for you. The year my son Cole started playing baseball, 4 million children picked up a bat in the United States for the first time. Wow. Little league, local, like that whole thing. There's 4 million kids that year started playing baseball. This past year when he went to college, 
9,500 of them moved on to play college baseball. And that's across four divisions, the D1, 2, 3, and JUCO, it includes, right? Mm. So, so obviously, to get that far is involves more than you can imagine, right? And I don't just mean hard work. I mean, sometimes luck, your body doesn't break down, your skill holds up, you know, like all these things happen. But the leap then from there to a minor league baseball player is down to something like, I think, three of those 9,000, 3,000 of those 9,000 make it to that next step. And then only hundreds actually ever step into a major league ballpark. So I, I want to, I'm going to ask you a few questions about the, around that. Sure. When, when you were, when you were younger, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, were you any good? Did anybody look at you and go that drew, he's going to play in college and then go on to be a pro. You know, honestly, I mean, probably not. I mean, God definitely blessed me with athletic talent and I was always, to be honest, you know, one or two top three guys on the team, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I don't think anybody, and honestly, I didn't get, I didn't become a great, great baseball player until probably my junior year of college. Okay. Like, so I was kind of a, a developmental guy. My, 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 my true passion was football. Honestly, I played football through high school. Um, but I'm not the biggest, biggest guy. I'm five eleven. I weigh about 205 pounds. Yeah. Um, but when I realized that the beating my body would take with football, I'd have to put on some weight to play college. And then the way it would tax me more with the diabetes, I chose baseball. And uh, I got a scholarship offer to Dallas Baptist University. And, you know, I was just blessed to be able to play at that great university. And it still took you at college two and a half probably seasons until you came into your own. Yes. I mean, until I really felt like I belonged and I felt confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of went from there. You know, obviously you, you mature a little bit, you get bigger, you get stronger. But yeah, I mean, even as a freshman in college, I remember looking around like, man, these guys are huge. <laughs> I, I don't belong. My confidence wasn't all, wasn't hundred percent there, yeah. you know, but just staying the course and working hard, like you said, you know, and just kind of and then opportunities arise, you know, and you, you know, you take advantage of them. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to share that. So my son doesn't have diabetes. Um, my daughter does, but, uh, Cole, my son Cole is, it's interesting. He's probably weighs about 170 pounds. He's a freshman in, in college and he's five eleven. and he's Drew, Drew will know what I'm saying. When I say this, my son's actually five eleven. He doesn't tell people he's five eleven. He's five eleven. <laughs> so baseball's big on adding an inch or two on people's height because well, right. once you get no spikes, everybody looks six feet tall, and, and it's hard to tell. Uh, well, but right. but um but so my son's five eleven, but he's about one hundred seventy some pounds, and he's a spectacular outfielder. I mean, there's just nowhere you can hit the ball where he won't be. If you put the ball in left field when the left fielder's catching it, my son's standing next to him. If, you know, if he's at the fence, it's 400 feet, it's in a gap, it's over his shoulder, he makes it look like he just flipped the ball to him in the living room. It's it's amazing. I don't know how he sees the ball that way because he's a, a talented runner and runs fast, but he's not like a 6'5 kid. You, you right. know, like he, he just knows where that ball is going. So he is also a, a really good student. And when he was recruiting for college, my wife and I just said, look, we're happy for you to play. Uh, we definitely want you to, but you have to go get like the best education you can. 
Like, you know, like we you absolutely need you to go to the best school that you absolutely can. And and that sure. ended up being uh, a D3 school that really fit him the best. So in his mind, you know, as a high schooler, he's like, this is amazing because it's just D3 and I'm going to show up there and they'll be so thrilled that I'll be there. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, two days into practice, I text him, how's it going? He goes, the kid playing center field in front of me is a senior. And if he wanted to kill me, he could pick me up and break me in half. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I said, okay. He goes, yeah, I don't think I'm going to just be like wandering onto the field, announcing my arrival and starting to play anytime soon. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. yeah, no kidding. Right. And it's, it, it's interesting, isn't it? That people think of it as these divisions, right? If you go to D1, you can play. And if you go to D3, you can't. And if you go to D2, you're not smart. And if you like, there's just too much generalization around sports and baseball and, 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 and the assumptions that people make, like just for you, I mean, you got drafted Drew, when you were a minor league baseball player, and to this day, you are one of the most talented baseball players in the world. And even if you never take another step past minors, it's it's an amazing accomplishment, you know? And yet in our society, anything that doesn't get to the whatever the very top is, the rest of that is considered a failure. Mm. And I, I just, I never kind of can wrap my head around that. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it never makes sense to me, but I wonder if it doesn't make sense to me because I have the perspective of watching my son do it. Um, but anyway, it's a, a lot of talk. I just want people to understand because I know a lot of parents listen to this and the best player when they're nine isn't necessarily the best player when they're 15. And it definitely doesn't mean they're going to be great when they're 21. And it's a long, long process. And, and I want to talk a little bit about, maybe I want to talk a lot about the 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 lessons that diabetes can teach you and the lessons that baseball can teach. And I want to know how many times you found those to overlap. Okay, let me see how long this takes. Dexcom.com slash juice box. Okay, I am on Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. A lot of information here about zero finger sticks, glucose readings right on my smart device, Customizable alerts and alarms. Here, here, get started with the Dexcom G6. Can you get started with the Dexcom G6 in less time than an ad on the Juicebox podcast? Patient's first name, put my name, last name, did that, email, phone number, city, zip code, month, day, year of birth, type 1 diabetes, insulin pump, insurance private, I agree, I agree, next, oh look, that's how long it takes to get started with the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Less than two minutes to change your life? I don't see how you don't give it a shot. Go to Dexcom.com slash juicebox, fill in the information, get started with the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor so you can see the direction and speed of your blood sugar. There is nothing more important in my opinion. You could do it right now while you're listening. It's that simple. Less than two minutes to get started. Dexcom does so much so you don't have to. 
Before we get back to the show, allow me to remind you that the 19th annual Dancing for Diabetes show is on November 9th, 2019 at the Bob Carr Theater. That's in Orlando, Florida. Go to dancing4diabetes.com. There's links in your show notes. When you get there, go to Newsroom. Click right on the 19th annual Dancing for Diabetes show to get more information. I see the stuff that my son learns from baseball is not always the, the stuff I thought it was going to be. You, you know, like he, like for instance, he, he called me the other day. And, um, and again, Drew will have more of a, maybe a perspective for this than, than some other people, but, uh, my son can stand after he's warm and have a catch with you at 120 yards. He's got, if he's got one pro tool, it's probably his defense in his arm. Right. Mm, And so, um, you know, he's, but he doesn't want to pitch and he doesn't, he's like, I don't like pitching. I don't want to pitch. I don't, you know, I don't like the mechanics of it. And so I said to him one day, I was like, how long do you think you're going to stand throwing the ball 60 yards farther than everybody else while you're warming up and someone's not going to ask you to try to pitch, you know? And, <laughs> right, like eventually someone's going to be like, can we drag that kid's butt up on a mound and see what happens when he throws the ball at the plate? So he goes over the other he, – he sends me a text. He's on his way to practice and he's like, oh, my God, they're going to make me throw a bullpen today. And I was like, well, you know, just, just do it. You know, like whatever. And a couple hours later I get a text back from him and he said – I had an 88 mile an hour fastball. My change up was 81 and I was dropping my curve in for strikes. And I think I'm going to have to pitch a little bit now. (laughs) (laughs) And I told him, I said, why didn't you just throw the ball into the ground and go, I told you I'm not good at this. Uh, But, but, but he, um, but he's just too competitive. And, and in the moment he didn't want that. And four days later, he's like, it'll be okay. Like, I'll just, you know, this will help me get on the field. Like his mind, he is so much more mature than he was nine months ago before he got to college. Um, mm. And I don't know what that is. So I, I guess I'm, I want to ask you, like, what does it really take to hit a roadblock in baseball and push through it? Like when you, when you have that, that feeling of like, my God, I'm not good enough for these guys are so much better than me or, or whatever it is. Do you have some stories about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think just in general for me, just being coached my whole life, I mean, I love coaches without, without all the great coaches I've had, you know, I, I would probably just not been able to develop obviously. But a lot of things we said at Dallas Baptist was day by day and getting, just try to get 1% better every day. So instead of focusing, oh, I should be starting right now, or, you know, I'm better than this guy. We'll focus on what you can control and let the rest take care of itself. You know? So if I just focused on what do I need to do to get better today? And for me, I was an outfielder just like Cole. And I lo- and that's the thing I miss the most. Honestly, I don't miss necessarily hitting as much as I thought I would. I, I still miss it, but I miss tracking that ball and catching, you know, an awesome line, line drive that the competitor hit. I mean, I, that's what I miss. I miss tracking that baseball and trying to, trying to not let it hit the ground, you know, and throwing somebody out at third or home. You know, those were exhilarating moments. It's so interesting that you say that because um, when, you know, I think Cole was 11 and he told me one day, he's like, I'm going to get really good and play the outfield. He's he's like, it just, it looks great. And he's, you know, I could see people looking at baseball from the other side and going, oh my God, it's boring. You stand around out there. What if the ball doesn't come out? Blah, blah. I watch my son is moving and intent on every pitch for years. He loves being an outfielder and he would, he'd get into a car after a game they'd get shellacked, you know, I'm like, they, they, they lost 10 to two. You think he's going to climb in the car and be, you know, absolutely mortified. 
And he's like, hey, back in the fourth inning, what made that kid think that single was a double? And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, right? And he goes, yeah. He's like, I had him by like three steps at second base. Or catching a ball in a gap and then throwing a runner out at third who thinks they can tag up and get the third. He is so just jacked up by that. It's incredible. Mm. It's a very specific mindset, that idea of like the ball's not going to hit the ground. And um, to go back to what you said, when people – I've heard people ask him like, you know, why do you – like how do you take something like this so seriously when you're younger and really want to do it? And he said – I've heard him say, he's like, I used to play for a man who, who was the outfield coach on my little league team, and I just never really wanted to let him down. It, it, and that was the first way it hit him as, as like a 12-year-old. There was this nice guy named Frank, and Frank put a lot mm. of effort into him, and, and he thought catching that ball was his responsibility. And, and, um, and I, I just, you know, it's such a, an odd thing that you would never expect for a 12 year old to build some sort of a relationship with a grown man who's, you know, just trying to help out in town. Um, but, but that ended up meaning a lot to him. Um, and I don't know now today, I think he's more, um, he's kind of type a, but he's uh, competitive with himself more than with the game. I don't know if that rings true to you. I think that's a sentence some people don't understand, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I definitely agree. Like even in diabetes, I'm, I'm competitive. I mean, I don't want my numbers to go above my range or below my range. You know, the, the, one of the most irritating things about diabetes to me is when my blood sugar goes high, like you said earlier, you can, it takes so long for it to get back down that you're like, hurry up, hurry up. You give too much insulin, then you bottom out, you know? Yeah. So it's the same thing with baseball and, just being competitive. But yeah, I was definitely, I competed with myself a lot, but also also forced to always compete against the other team or the other pitcher, you know? Now, I love too what you said about like trying to get 1% better every day because um, I was I was standing at my son's high school one day for a baseball game and a, a parent came up, you know, a few, a few innings into the game on this field where there was no scoreboard. And, <laughs> and she comes up to me and she says, uh, what's the score? And I thought for a second, I looked at her and I said, I, you know, I don't know. And, and she goes, well, who's winning? And I went, yeah, I don't know that either. And, and she's like, did you just get here? I said, oh, no, I've been here since the warmups. And she goes, is there a score? I'm like, oh, there's definitely a score because there's been a lot of cheering. And she's like, are you not watching? And I stopped and I said, listen, I don't know how you're going to take this. But to me at this age, baseball is about playing baseball so you can play more baseball. Like, like you're just trying to fix something today, figure something out, get better so that you can keep playing tomorrow. Like playing baseball is about getting to continue to play baseball. It's not about winning this game. I said, I would love it if they win. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, care. Right. I don't care if they win. And I don't care if my kids, you know, it's, a, it sounds trite to say, I don't care if he's 0 for 4. I don't care if he's 4 for 4. There are little things he's trying to accomplish today and he needs this game to work them out, mm. you, you, you know, and I, I, I try to tell people, I wonder now as I'm kind of dissecting this and why I was excited to have you on, like when I talk about diabetes with people, I always tell them there's no mistakes. Like you can't make a mistake in diabetes. You can have an experience that doesn't go the way you wanted, but you need to learn something from it so that tomorrow's better. The only real mistake you can make, Drew, is that if you do something today with your blood sugar, it doesn't go the way you want. And instead of trying to learn from it, you spend time being upset about it. If you, if you do that, that, that was a mistake. You, you know, don't give away this data. Don't give away today's practice. Don't, don't, don't ignore what you are learning because you want to be upset or dramatic or sad. Mm, you know, yeah. You know? 
So, Persp- yeah, perspective is everything. I mean, control what you can control. And then, you know, I've always tried to have a positive outlook on whatever. But, man, there's always challenging times in anything. Yeah. And, that you know, there's always negative impacts. But it's just what you do with that going forward. Yeah. Now, I mean, it just so your story and really guys who play in general, it's just it's a, if you're if you're still listening, you know, with people who are listening who have diabetes who maybe have never played baseball, like try to imagine starting something when you're six years old that doesn't begin to really pay off until you're a junior in college. Like like, you know what I mean? Like not that you didn't have good times and, you know, enjoy what you were doing in the interim, but you didn't get to like hold your fist up in the air and be like, I'm really good at this. For, you know, for that amount of time um, and and to have to make a decision to, to have been great at football and just have to look back and go, look, I don't think my body can handle this. So I'm going to have to adjust, you know, that must have been fairly, um, cry- especially being from Texas, right? Like football is life. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just funny how life goes. I mean, the way the way I felt God directed my life and you know, I didn't have any scholarship offers to play football. I had a lot of walk-on offers to Baylor, SMU, even Boston College. But then when I took my recruiting trip to Dallas Baptist, I just, I was like, just, it's a, it's a mid-major team that plays division one baseball, plays the best competition in the, in the country. And just a place where I knew I could grow and develop. And I just felt led to go to, it was, it was just a no brainer for my family and I. So, so when it felt right, it felt right. You didn't, you didn't struggle in that moment to leave something else behind because you knew you were heading in the right direction. Man, it was crazy. Like, I think it was a month before school of 2003 or 2002 after I graduated. So a month before, like, you check into college. Like, I didn't have anywhere to go. I, was, I signed on in a junior college. I, was, I, may have, I still was thinking I may go walk on and play football. But then... Like a month before, I went to Dallas Baptist. I was like, all right, this is it. And then driving home, called the coach back. All right, I'm coming to Dallas Baptist. And there it was. A month later, I showed up on campus. You know, I have to say that um, probably five visits into my son's like like recruiting visits, you know, the kids, they, they bring the kids in, the coach smiles. He goes, Oh, we'll take him to class and it's going to be great. And I'm like, yeah, just try not to kill him. Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> pretty sure I know what's going to happen when I walk away from here. Uh, but, um, so my, but my son is, uh, not a drinker for instance. So at all of his visits, he was looking for a place where he could not drink and people wouldn't kill him over it. You, you know what I mean? Like, so that was like one of the things he was looking for. He was looking sure. for academics. He was looking for a place where he thought, there weren't too many older guys standing between him and the field. Like he was trying to assess all this. You go to all these like these overnights and overnights, and he'd come home and he'd be like, "This place was okay. I like this one. This one was fine. The coach was nice, but I didn't like the school. It was back and forth." He walked out of a a building after the overnight where he's at, and he just looks at me. He goes, "We can cancel the rest of them. I'm going to come here." That's awesome. And I was like, "Okay, are you sure you don't want to go to the rest of them?" He goes, "There's no need." He's like, "I'm going to come here." Mm. I was like, that's great, man. Like, I, you know, because but honestly, Drew, I was getting tired of driving to all those schools. <laughs> so I, 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 I drug my ass to Boston three times during that recruiting thing. And, yeah. Oh my God. What a terrible drive. Uh, so, um, but anyway, it, it hit him. So I don't know. He just said, he's like, I like the size of the school. I like the coaches. The guys are good. He's like, no one, you know, broke my balls last night about not drinking. Not even like a little bit. 
And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and, and even when he gets frustrated now about baseball, what he really talks about is like, I'm not learning anything because I'm not on the field enough. Like I want, right. like that's how he thinks about it. I, 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 I've never been so focused about anything in my life. I'm, I'm in awe of people like you and, and Cole who are, who can be so single-minded about something and at the same time be broad in their, in their feelings. Like that he's not just a baseball player, but when he's doing that, it's, it's amazing the focus he has. Yeah. Well, Good. Well, I just going I was just going to say, I mean, congrats to him and, and to you to, for you guys to have the wisdom to find a great spot for him and just because he knows he can develop. He he probably got to play right away. And I mean, I, even in pro baseball, I played with guys that one, they didn't play college. Um, they got drafted at high school. And then there's other guys that just played one year of junior college or, you know, played at NIA, NAIA ball or division three. It didn't matter if you're a good player and you develop and just continue to get better. I mean, you'll still have those opportunities if, if time allows, you know, yeah, it really is about that, about time too, because Cole was saying to me the other day, he's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, if I can keep playing after college, he goes, it doesn't matter where I play college. He, he's like, if I can do it, I can do it. And he's like, and if I can, I can't, you know, sometimes where you end up in college is an indication of your skill or your body or, or anything like that. But sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes it's just, I'm not in a rush. And, and you mentioned something earlier that happened to happen to Cole is that he's a, I mean, a late bloomer too. Like he's always been, you know, I mean, imagine you start playing when you're four, you're already a year younger than everybody else. And that starts to catch up to you as you get older. When, you know, when the kids who turn into 20 year old men, when they're 16 are 16 and you're 15 and not going to turn into a 20 year old guy till you're 21, you, 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 know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're in that space. Like those guys you're talking about who don't play ball in college, they're grown men when they're 18 years old. You, you know, like, you know, use Bryce Harper as an example. He was, walking, mm-hmm. he was walking around like a grown man when he was 17. So, yep. you know, that's just luck or random or, you know, whatever it ends up being. Um, but you sometimes you just got to grow into your skill, too. I agree. Try a pod for free to experience how liberating the Omnipod truly can be. If you're considering insulin pump therapy, the best way to understand the comfort and convenience that the Omnipod offers is to try it firsthand. So get a free experience kit, which includes a sample non-functioning pod, and see what you think. There's absolutely no obligation to buy. You can wear a non-functioning pod to see how it feels, find the area that works best for you, and feel the freedom you could have with the Omnipod system. Did you know that 95% of potters surveyed by Omnipod said they trust the Omnipod system to manage their diabetes? And 88% of them said the Omnipod system makes living with diabetes easier. Well, guess what? I 1 million percent agree. That's right. If you go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box and get started today by having Omnipod send you a free, no obligation demo of their wonderful, most excellentest insulin pump in the world, tubeless insulin pump, by the way. Did you know that? Of course you did. But now you know for sure because I told you just now with my words, tubeless insulin pump. We're talking about absolutely no tubing. I know right now you're thinking, insulin pump, ew, put a thing on, long tube, no, no, no long tube. Oh, and then they'll have to hang something on my belt. No, 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 that's not how Omnipod works. Omnipod is self-contained. It's magical. It's the future. But now, it's like going into the future, getting something, and bringing it back to today. 
Listen, Omnipod doesn't want you to know that they broke the space-time continuum, but they did. They went into the future, they got an insulin pump, they brought it back to 19... Whatever this year is, no. I'm guessing now that I said 19, it's more like 2019. But anyway, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, where the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. Would you say that even though you're competitive and you don't want that number to climb over a certain spot, that when it does, I mean, what do you do when it does? How do you react? I mean, yeah, like I said, you just, I can only control from that moment on. So, you know, let's just say my blood sugar was 200 or even 250, you know, all right, well, let's assess the situation. How much insulin do I have on board? You know, do I need to give more insulin to get down? Um, and it's usually, yes, give more insulin if you're 250, you know, and then hopefully in 45 minutes, you know, that insulin will kick in and you can start seeing, start feeling better and the insulin will start to go down. What's it feel like when you're 200? 200, I don't really feel a difference. I think even recently, like I've had a lot more better control because of the the G6 just always seeing. But even so, I'd say when I get to 250 is when I start to feel like I haven't been, I haven't been 300 only but one time in the last probably three months. And, but when I was, man, I, I felt like complete trash. I had to lay down. I was like dizzy. And I used to be 300 all the time, honestly, you know, but I think your body just adjusts to the different levels. But yeah, when I was 300, it was probably last week, man, I just, I had to lay down, give insulin and it just takes so much longer for that insulin to work too. When you get, once you get that high. Yeah. I, I just can't, you know, I can't stress enough. Like for you, I mean, I don't know where, where does your um, CGM tell you, where do you get an alarm for a high blood sugar? What, what level? 180, 180 and then I, I get a an alert at 75 when I'm trending low lower and so what we do here is is my alert on my phone is at 120 and on my daughter's is 130 the idea in, in that I kind of go with is that if you find out earlier then you can correct with less insulin uh, when you correct with less insulin you're less likely to get low later and, mm. and, and if you, st- you know, slowing a high, you know, stopping a high before it comes, then keeps you in a space where you're not, you know, insulin resistant too, because by the time you get to 180, you know, getting from 180 to 100 might not be an apples to apples comparison to insulin, like getting from 120 to, to 90. So, you know, say you need to move 30 points and whatever that amount of insulin is. Once you're over, you know, once you start getting higher, that doesn't, it doesn't just double. It doesn't say, well, I need to go down 60 points. So it's just double that. It doesn't always go that way, but people feel that way. Like, well, if it takes me this much to move 30 points, it'll take me the double that to move 60, which stops being true. So I like to bump the blood sugars. I like when they try to get higher, you bump them back. And what you find is that up front, it's a little more work, but eventually you end up making decisions that you don't even realize throughout the day that keep you from ever really being above 130. It's, um, yeah. it's fascinating how you, you sort of get what you expect at some point. No, I agree. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to have to look at lowering my little, my little range then. Dexcom uh, put out a, I, we actually did an episode about it a couple of years ago. They, um, they backed a study that just says the lower you make that high um, alarm, the lower your A1C will be. That's it. Just it. Just it. That's what happens. The sooner you react, 
the better off. Pro- yeah, no, I agree. And probably probably more alarms you're going to get too, though. Well, so now in the beginning, <laughs> Drew, in the yes, in the beginning, yes, but eventually no, because what you'll figure out at some point is if you keep drifting up like that, that's your basal insulin. So you'll change mm-hmm. you'll change your basal, and then you won't start drifting up anymore. You'll actually end up bolusing less once you figure out why it is you're going over that one twenty one thirty range to begin with. It's it's fascinating. I am I know way too much about this now. <laughs> so. Oh, it is. I mean, I I look forward to seeing a baseball game with you. But I mean, and we can talk more. But it's just crazy. Like I've had diabetes for almost thirty three years. Yeah. And you know, for I would just say the last five to six years, I've actually started to really grasp how everything affects me, mm-hmm. you know, for the first 25 years, I just lived by the roller coaster, yeah. you know, just trying to be okay. So you could play and do the things you wanted to do. Yeah. But technology now is just, has been so helpful at school. Did they, did a trainer help you during games? Yeah. But I mean, even, even to that point, they did, they always had food. They, they, they always knew, like, if I started to do some weird things, like, hey, Drew, let's go check your blood sugar. Here's some food, you know? Right. And, uh, but even that, like, it was so taboo. They didn't really know. Nobody really experienced it as I was growing up. I mean, I never had a teammate that had diabetes. There was one guy in Austin that was an athlete and still a friend of mine. But that's the only guy I remember that ever had type 1 diabetes okay. when I was growing up. You know, um, I don't know if you know the name, but Molly Fickner's been on the podcast, and she's a friend of mine. She was um, she's a catcher for Alabama when they went as far as they've ever gone a few years ago, um, and she's the head coach. Wow. At, uh, she's a head coach at University of Louisiana now, but um, she would say that like you know they would just take care of her. And I always wondered like did she just like accept that was okay or <laughs> like do you know what I mean like oh they have it because you know you get in that situation where like you know. When you're a student, you think one way. When you're a parent, you think another way. Like, my son's like, oh, the trainer's here. I'm like, who's the trainer? Like, don't just assume he knows what he's doing. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, you know, you have that kind of feeling. And um, do you know Sam Fold? Sam played in the league for about a decade. He's a manager with the Phillies now or uh, a coach with the Phillies now. I've never spoke with Sam, but we have a good mutual friend in, in Ben Zobris. Ben Zobris, and we've talked okay. about each other with Ben. Yeah, Um. so uh, – so Sam's been on the show. He's actually coming back on pretty soon. I was talking to him the other day, but he told me when I interviewed him the first time, he's like, you go back and watch me playing baseball. He goes, if I'm chewing gum in the outfield, he's like, I was getting low. He's like, you know, he's like, that's, that was the extent of his management back then. Like, I don't feel okay. I don't feel okay. I'm going to be stuck out here a little longer, handful of bubble gum. Mm. And I was like, wow, you're lucky you're alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I'll t- let me tell you this one quick story. Yeah. Um, I've had, I've had severe lows obviously throughout, but the one I really remember was I was in a, I was in a home run derby in high school and I was, you know, I was one of the better hitters. So I was expected to hit a lot of home runs Mm -hmm. and my budget here was so extremely low. The coach threw me five pitches. I missed all five of them, which BP, you know, it's pretty easy for at least me to hit the ball, but I missed all five of them. My dad comes down from the stands and he's like, Drew, come here. Let's, check your blood sugar, you know, whatever I was, right. 40, 50, I just couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And it didn't always happen that way, but I had no depth perception. So that's why it's baseball is even harder if you have, if you're high or low because your, your vision's affected. Yeah. We you have, know, so it's, it's frightening. I mean, that how quickly your body just leaves you. 
You know what I mean? Your ability to hold yourself up, to think, to see, to make sense of things. Like once, you know, we talk about it here once in a while, but that, that there's a level of sugar that needs to exist in your blood for your brain to function. Mm. And when you start getting below that, that's, you know, your brain can't work without the, without a certain amount of sugar. <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, and man-made insulin doesn't know to stop taking it out of your blood. If it's in there, it's going to do, it's, it's going to do what it's going to do. Correct. Um, yeah. Arden was playing once in, um, Arden only Arden basically played up till like the end of little league and a little more after that. And she's hurt right now. So she hasn't played in a, in about a half a year. And there's part of me who thinks she's never going to play again. Like, she's just like, eh, okay, well we did that. But she's, <laughs> you know, but she's, um, interesting. She doesn't love it like my son does, but she's good at it. So like they were playing, you know, right up to like going to the little league world series the last time, you know, she was really playing. But, uh, but a number of years before that, as they're, you know, teaching those kids how to play on 95 degree days three times because it's softball. She, mm. came, she came through the dugout one time. She played third base. She came through the dugout. She looked at me. She raised her glove up over her head, and she goes, I'm not okay. <laughs> and I was like, what? And so, you know, it was back in the days of, like, older glucose monitors. They didn't work quite as well as they do today. And she was, sure enough, by the time I figured out and what was going on, that, that the monitor did tell me she was really low. But she got incredibly low, like in the 40s, and took in a bunch of, you know, liquid, a uh, bunch of sugar. She sat mm. on the bench, like put her head on my lap. Like I sat in the dugout, like trying to get her back together. And she missed, she didn't have to bat that inning, but then she missed going in the field the following inning. But her bat came up after that. And she was still only like 65 and still coming back up. And she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to hit. And I was like, maybe not. She goes, if I don't, she goes, if I don't hit, he's going to take me out. I'm going to feel better five minutes from now. I'm not going to be able to go back in. And I was like, all right, why are my kids so competitive? And I was like, I was like, okay. And she got out there. She hacked away. She fouled off a bunch of them. And eventually she did, I think, pop up or something. But she just, I couldn't believe she did that. Like when I look back on it, I'm like, how did you even go out there and like find that ball once? You, you know what I mean? And um, it's just, it, it wrecked her. It wrecked her for 10 minutes. Like she was, yeah. she if, if she was by herself, I don't know what she would have done. Like in that moment, like she was just not capable of doing anything, uh, anything you think of as a human, you know, function. Um, it really is. It can be incredibly frightening, which is another reason why these, these tools are so, they're so amazing, you know, and, and not just, not just for helping you keep a, a high blood sugar down, but for just day-to-day stuff. And I agree. Yeah. I mean, that, Diabetes can seriously just, if you have those extreme lows, it, it takes control of your body. And yeah. people don't understand that. Like, thank God I have a, I have kind of a happy personality and I, I love to laugh. But like, so traditionally when I get low, I'll just get real giggly and real kind of real strange and just say weird things. And so my wife is always able to usually say, Hey, before this, this is before the CGM, but yeah. she's always able to like, look, go check yourself, get some food, you know, True, but Drew's telling fart jokes. His blood sugar might be low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just strange how you're, everybody's different, right? It, yeah. Diabetes affects me different than it does Arden, you know? Of course. That's crazy. Do you have children of your own? Yes, sir. I have a six year old daughter. Her name's Lila and my son's name is Pierce. He's three years old. That kid better go play baseball or he's gonna be in trouble. Uh, do you, he is a little he's a little tank. I hope he I hope he does love something. Yeah, yeah. I you know it's funny, I always thought that I always thought that, that was more than a joke. Like, oh, you should, you know, if I love this, I want my kids to love that. I realized once I had kids, I didn't care what they liked as long as it was something they liked. 
I agree. Yeah. You know, I just really, I used to say to my son, as, as much as it looked like we were going to get some money for college and he was going to have fun as it got more and more serious, I'd remind him every spring, like, you don't need to do this. You know, if you want to, I'm down, like, we'll do whatever it is that it takes. I'm like, but if you don't want to, don't feel like you're doing this for me or for your, like, you need to want this for yourself, you know? Um, because I just think it could be dangerous to get caught in a situation where your children start feeling like they're, they'd be letting you down if you didn't do that. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. My daughter said, um, she had one of her, one of her best moments was going into the high school and telling the coach, look, I'm hurt. I'm not playing. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's like, I'll see what I can do and maybe I'll come back next year. But for now I'm not playing. The woman's like, oh, it's just, you, we'd still want you on the team. And my daughter goes, I am not showing up every day and going to practice to watch other kids play softball. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's like, I could do my homework. Hell, I could take a nap, but I'm yeah. not good. At, but I'm not, I can't do that. Like there's, um, there's a mindset around that, that whatever it is, but I, I, I think we've given our kids so much freedom that they don't feel pressure to do things like that. That's so, good. Yeah, so I was really proud of her. I was like, cool. You know, I said, you know, the, the woman even said, do you want to be the manager? And my, my daughter comes home. I wish people knew Arden better. Like she's so, uh, she can be so sarcastic. And, and she was like the manager. She's like, I play, I don't write down the score. And, and I was like, right. And she goes, even if I never play again, I don't even, you know what you like, This is an interesting question for you. My son wants to do nothing but play baseball, but while he's playing, he doesn't want to go see a baseball game. Like he's like, I don't want to go watch guys play. I want to play. And it, like, like when it's, you know, when he's not playing, he's happy to go to a game. He loves going to a game. But when he's playing, he, he's, he, he, I don't know. It's like, he's, he does not want to watch someone else do something that he wants to be doing. Is it hard for you to watch ball now that you don't play anymore? No, I mean, I really, I can, I really find common ground with Cole and saying that, I mean, growing up, I never really even watched baseball, honestly ever yeah um you know i now i watch some of my old teammates still but and i do love to go watch games now but i'm i'm so far removed i, I love to get back and just experience the environment again but yeah during when i played i didn't you weren't i didn't really somebody else do it right yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah i tried we were just down in this spring break in florida and i said um Hey, we could head over to the Phillies are playing the Yankees today. We could take a ride over uh, to Tampa. And he's like, ah, I, I've been playing all week. And I was like, all right. He's, he's like, I don't want to drive 45 minutes to go watch other people play baseball. And I was like, right, all right, man, we'll do something else. But yeah, I it just, it's a very interesting mindset. Um, like you said, it's, I, I think I, in anything in life, you have to have some kind of outlet. You know, if you're, if you're playing baseball six days a week, you know, that seventh day, you don't really want to go be mentally in baseball again, you know? You know, it's funny, as you say that, people ask me all the time, like, you know, seriously, other than yours, like, what other diabetes podcasts do you like? And I was like, I don't listen to other diabetes podcasts. I'm like, I'm <laughs> busy making a podcast. Like, I can't, to your point, like, I can't spend the five free minutes I have, like, listening to someone else do it. Um, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I guess it, maybe it's a very similar thing. Okay, so, Drew, so you play in college. What year do you do you, when you do get drafted? What year do you get drafted? Are you in school still? So I gra so I graduated in two thousand six. I got in May of two thousand six. Got drafted June of two thousand six. So I signed as a senior with the Astros in the sixteenth round. Um, I had a I had a neat experience. The two weeks before the draft, the Astros wanted me to come down to Minute Maid in Houston and do a tryout. And man, I I played lights out. You know, I was. I was slotted to, to get drafted, but nobody really knew where. 
Um, but I just played, I had a lights out tryout. I, I took one of Craig Biggio's bats in, in, in the cages from under and hit, hit with that. I was like, man, major league baseball wood is so much better than any wood I've ever swung with baseball wise. And I, you know, I hit some homers in batting practice. I threw well from the outfield, you know, made some diving catches. And I mean, I, obviously I impressed them a little bit because they drafted me and took a chance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Now, and now is it, I think if my son got drafted and then spent the rest, played one day, they said, oh, I can't believe we drafted you. It was a huge mistake. And he spent the rest of his life <laughs> homeless. He'd still be telling people, do you know I got drafted? And so is it about one of the greatest things that's ever happened to you? Man, I, yeah, you know what? It, it was such a neat experience and I'm so thankful it happened. I mean, it's not something I just, I run around and tell everybody about. I mean, people probably look at me and like, ah, he probably you know, he never played sports or whatever, who knows. But if people ask, man, I, yeah, I'm first to say, yeah, I got to experience minor league baseball. And I remember that day that I got drafted, I was with my whole family at my grandparents' house and I didn't get any phone calls, but you know, you're just kind of looking at the computer and you see all these names. One of my teammates got drafted two picks before me by the Phillies. And I was like, man, that's, you know, being competitive, I was like, dude, I'm better than him, you know? <laughs> and then all of a sudden my name comes up and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? And we all, you know, we're all kind of jumping around and excited. So yeah, it was just a, it was a memorable experience for sure. Yeah. It just, it's, you know, after trying so hard at something like that, it's, it's kind of amazing. How long did you, uh, how long did you play minor league ball? So I played one season in New York in short season with the Astros. And then the next season after spring training got promoted to, uh, we call it low A or mm-hmm. full season single A. Then after that season was over, got released a week before Thanksgiving, which was kind of strange. And then, then I played two more years of independent baseball in Grand Prairie uh, for Pete and Cavillia. He was my manager. Okay. Pete came up here. We're Phillies fans, so Pete played here for a while towards the end of his career. Yeah. Yeah. So what what is what ended up being the thing? Like what, when you look back, like what was the thing that had progressed as far as it was going to progress for you and, and you just couldn't, you didn't have it to go further than that? Like what stopped you? Uh, man, good question. I, I mean, a little bit of consistency probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably honestly third or fourth outfielder on the team, you know, and a lot of things go into that, whether it be business or, you know, how much money somebody gets signing bonus. Um, I definitely had. You know, I think my minor league average was like 260 or something like that. So I wasn't, you know, I could just, I just didn't have that consistent. Every time I played, you could count on me to do something. Some games I would, I'd be lights out. Some games, you know, I would go for four, you know. It's so incredibly funny you say this. This is a name you're not going to know because it's a New Jersey name. But it's a guy that lives in my town. He's, you know, older now. But he made it to the, to the Orioles as a catcher. And um, I was talking to him the other day, and he's like, you know what killed me? He's like, there were some days there was nobody better. And he's like, and then the next day, I was horrible. And, and he's, <laughs> like, he's like, I just, and he used the word, he's like, I couldn't do it consistently. He's like, he's like, I just couldn't find the consistency. A friend of Cole's was drafted by the White Sox a number of years ago, and after three years, he was home. Cole said to him, what happened? And he goes, I just, mentally, I couldn't, the hitting is just, it's so mental. And he's like, I just, mm. we'd get on the bus and we'd ride, you know, forever. And he's like, I was tired and I just, 
I couldn't be consistent. And, and it's the same word that everybody uses. I, I'm so fascinated that you said the same thing. It was like, I can do it. I just couldn't do it every time. You, you, you know, Or that other answer that you gave, which I don't think people think enough about, is if somebody got excited about another guy, a little more excited than they got about you, and gave him a little more money, even if you're better than him, they're going to hold on to him longer to try to be right. Right, right. Like there's, there's that idea. Like we paid this guy. Like we're, let's, yeah, let's it's wait. a business, right? Right. Let's wait and see what if we can get something out of him. The other guy, we didn't pay so much. We can let him go if we have to. Now, after you're out of the miners, can you talk about how that helps when you move into the business world? Is it, uh, is it a big deal? Like, do you go into a job interview? Does everybody turn into a little kid? They're like, oh my God, you played for the Astros. Like, is that how, do you get offered jobs that, uh, you have no business having. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I don't know. I don't, it definitely helps. It, it definitely doesn't hurt. I mean, mo- most big companies and most, you know, business owners, they want competitive people that are going to go, go after something hard for, for them, you know? So, and they know for the most part, athletes, you know, they have discipline, they're competitive, you know, and those are kind of the, the characteristics you want as an employee, yeah. you know? So yeah, it was, it definitely got me interviews. I mean, I, I started with striker, which is a medical device company right out of, right after I get done playing. Okay. Um, but I started in the warehouse, so it wasn't like, I didn't get like a, an amazing job. Right. You know, I had to work my, I had the same thing. I had to work myself up the way up in the organization, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely feel that. Again, it just there's this one guy that told us this. Uh, told me a story one time, and he was just like, "I was in this interview, and he's like, in five minutes, I realized like, I don't know what I like. This isn't a good job for me. It's not a good fit." And he's like, "And the job was, you know, it was important. He goes, it would have been dangerous to give me this job." And I was like, "Right." He goes, he goes for forty five minutes. Guys were like, "Tell me about playing baseball." And then in the last fifteen minutes, they're like, "Well, we love you." And he was like, "I shouldn't have this job." <laughs> He goes, everybody in the room just turned into like little kids. And I was like, that's very funny. Even my neighbor used to throw BP for the Mets in the 80s. That helps him at work. It's crazy. Like guys. Oh, you're right. Yeah, guys turn into little boys, you know, when they talk about baseball. And probably rightfully so, by the way. Baseball's uh any sports, right? I mean, I I say traditionally baseball is such a fraternity. You know, if you played baseball and you even at a high level, you know, you know a lot of the same people. Yeah. And you know, it's fun to talk about. And same with football. I mean, that's why, yeah, that's why, like you said, athletes are, you know, a rare commodity, I guess, in the, in the business marketplace. Yeah. It really is interesting to, um, like watch my son talk about, you know, I mean, in in this semester, Cole's taking multivariable calculus, you know, some high level Spanish thing that he doesn't even speak Spanish that well and still getting like, you know, great grades, Still goes and lifts, you know, I don't know how often they lift. They must lift four times a week at least. He's They're playing three or four times a week at this point, and they still practice on their off days. And when I talk to him, I'm like, how you doing? He goes, I'm good. I'm like, all right, because I'd be dead. You, you, you know, like, like, I would just, I'd fall over. But he's he's like, I'm a little tired, you know, but I'm okay. And I'm like, I'm, okay, man, like, go get him. Like, I don't know what that is. That's a switch. That's a That's a gear not everybody gets, you know. So, um, it is really, it is amazing to see how much work gets put into it, but well, you don't, yeah, you don't know any different either. I mean, you're just kind of, it's almost like your cattle. You're just kind of, your coaches tell you what to do and you say, yes, sir. And do it, and you, you know, and you're like, okay, now I got to go study. Now I got to get some sleep and it starts all over and right. you know, 
but you don't know any different and, and you love it. Yeah. He re- and that really is the key, man. He really does love it. Yeah, he said, what are you going to do this summer? He goes, I'm going to try to get bigger. And I was like, that, that's the summer plan? He goes, yep. <laughs> okay, man. I was like, I was like yep. you go get bigger. I, was, I don't know what it, you know, go get him, kid. I wish, I, I, Drew, I wish you could see me. I'm just not, like, you would not look at me and go, oh, I bet that guy's got athletic children. <laughs> I can't tell you. My wife says to me all the time, she goes, we sit at a softball game. And someone comes up to me like I've never met before. She goes, they point to the chubbiest kid on the field. And they go, is that your daughter? And my, <laughs> and my wife's like, no, no, my daughter's the, like, you know, that one there. Pointing to, like, this, you know, like, lean, like, toned, athletic, like yeah. athletic kid. And they always go, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I said, Kelly, I said, every baseball Every baseball field I've ever been at, somebody's like, is the catcher your son? And I'm like, no, it's not the catcher. It's the kid in center field. And they're like, oh, really? And then they look. I can see. I'm going to tell you guys. Everyone's going to get to hear a really embarrassing story, right? So my son's in, I don't know. He's playing baseball somewhere. And I'm watching him practice one night. Ball goes out into a parking lot. I'm like, okay, it's probably my turn to go get the foul ball. So I get up and I walk and I get it. And I'm coming back to the field. And I see a coach standing by second base. He's by the bucket at second. So I just, you know, I've got the ball in my hand. I gesture, I've got the ball, and I'm going to throw it to him. And he starts running towards me. And I was like, <laughs> what is happening? And so I, like, put my hand up, like, no, no. I, like, I, I don't want you to come over here. I have the ball. Like, I thought he didn't realize I tried to throw him the ball. So I just, like, I was like, that's enough of this. I just threw the ball. And later it hit me. Like after the practice and we're staying off the side, I said, Joe, can I ask you a question? He goes, yeah. I said, when I showed you the ball, you knew I had the ball, right? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I said, why'd you run towards me? And he goes, well, I didn't think you could reach me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, I get that. But did you think the kid just figured it out like all by himself? Like like he just came out, came crawling out of the womb with a baseball in his hand? I was like, someone showed it to him. It, it wasn't my wife. It, you know, like, and so yeah. I just don't look like that guy. Yeah, I'd call you. I'd call you a closet athlete. You know, okay. like you may not look like you're an athlete, but I'm sure you can. You can move, and you can do. You can do certain things. I always tell people I'm faster than I look. I can throw this ball farther than you think I can, <laughs> and you know I'm much better than you would imagine. Right up until I'm not. Uh, but but Mike, listen. In fairness, Cole was a better baseball player than I've ever been. By the time he was like 12, to be perfectly honest, like he just you know he just got better and better and better as he went. Um, so I, I want to ask you, you said, so, you know, Ben, and so, you know, Sam through Ben, but Ben doesn't have, Ben doesn't have diabetes, does he? No, but he was my teammate at Dallas Baptist. That's how you know him. Have you yep. ever done Sam's wiffle ball? The T1D slam is wiffle ball games. I haven't. Uh, Sam runs these cool um, wiffle ball games to uh, raise money for diabetes charities. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'll have to reach out to Sam and yep. to see if we can be a part of what's going on. He got thrown around a little bit as the Rangers manager in the off season. His name, I didn't know that. His name came up a couple of times and I was like, I texted him. I was like, Hey, do I know the next manager of the Rangers? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, that sounds pretty exciting. Um, he's got, you know, I'm going to have him on because Sam has a job that is completely unique in major league baseball. He, I think, I believe he's the only one who has it, but he's the liaison between the statistics department upstairs and the players. Wow. Isn't that cool? He kind of takes the the math of baseball and translates it into baseball. Like, like you know what I mean? He's like a – it's just a, it's a very interesting job he has. Um, like sabermetric stuff? Yeah, yeah. He takes the sabermetric stuff and, and 
he he so he says Stanford. He went to Stanford. He has an econ degree from Stanford. So he's played it. He played a decade. He went to Stanford. I got to imagine he knew something if he got through there. Sure. Right. Sure. And so um and so he takes the sabermetric stuff and then he goes to you as the player and puts it into baseball terminology for you. Wow. Such a cool job, you know. So, that is cool. I never heard of that. And that's a, he's the only one in the league that has that job. So I think that's new for the the Phillies. Uh, started that last year, and um, I don't know if other people will, uh, you know, you know how people like once they see something working, they'll climb on. Board, oh yeah, but... it'll go in cycles for sure. Yeah. They're gonna follow that. Yeah, and the Phillies right now, I think, are gonna use the saber metrics of uh, let real Muto, uh, Harper, and McCutcheon hit that baseball. So uh, I don't know <laughs> if they're gonna need numbers for that exactly, but uh, we took a big leap. Who's you, who do you root for when you're watching baseball now? Uh, Team wise, you know. I'm local I, I definitely root for the rangers but you know also root for the cubs because of Zobrist. i think he's the only uh teammate i still have left playing i mean he's played 14 years i think 14 years in the majors or maybe whatever it is 12 years probably he had a long career he really does he's starting to talk about maybe this is it this year right have you heard him say that i mean i have just over the radio and yeah. you know on tv but he, he's just he's just a good dude man he's a great leader and that's People love having him in the clubhouse. You know, he puts other people before himself, and yeah. you know, I'm proud to I'm proud to call him a teammate for sure. That's amazing. Uh, it, and you know, there's different ways to lead too. Like, there's some guys who are you know yelling and screaming and jumping around. And uh, my son, my son actually said to me the other day, he goes, "I think I'm having like a good impact on the team." And I said, "Why?" And he just talked about some of his workout stuff that he does. He's like, "When I got there." I was doing some stuff and people were like, what are you doing? Like they, he's like, they were a little like, I've never seen anybody do that before. And, and Cole's like, now I'm starting to see some guys are like, you know, breaking off a piece of the field on their own and they're doing some stuff. And I'm starting to see them do some of the stuff I was doing. He's like, I feel like I'm having a good just impact on people. Mm. And, and I just, I wish you knew him better. Like I never imagined that would have been something he would have said to me, you know? So yeah, uh, it's very cool. This, this process of, of getting to play sports in college is, um, I, I definitely think it's an experience that'll that'll feed him through his whole life. So, yeah, and I think that's why, you know, we all feel successful when we're helping others, myself included. I mean, there's been times in my life when I've been self-focused, but you know, when I'm focusing on others, you know, I'm usually more fulfilled. You know, I think that's what excited me to reach out to you and just say, hey, if there's anything that I can do to encourage people, man, let me know. You know. Well, I think you did it just sharing your story and, 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 you know, talking, I, and I agree with you too. I'm, um, you know, you, I mean, you've mentioned your, your, your faith a couple of times. I'm not a particularly religious person. And yet I will tell you that when I do this podcast and I hear back from people that it's helped them, I don't have a better feeling all day than that. That's, that's for sure. So mm. I feel exactly the same way coming from a different coming at it from probably a, a different angle than you but at the same way the, the, sure. res, the results exactly the same like when you're helping other people uh and and kind of relieving their burden a little bit it's incredibly rewarding so i yeah. agree yeah absolutely so I, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this thank you so much yeah scott it was a, it was a pleasure uh let me know if you're in dallas or if i get up north man we'll we'll go see a baseball game that'd be amazing Thanks to Drew for coming on the show and sharing his story. Thanks to Omnipod, Dexcom, and Dancing for Diabetes for being sponsors. Don't forget that you can go to dancing, the number 4 diabetescom to get tickets to the big show at the Bob Carr Theater coming up on November 9th. 
You can go to myomnipod.com slash juicebox to get a free no-obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to your home. And of course, at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, you can get started today with the G6 continuous glucose monitor that Arden uses. Good. It's over now. You go to the, do do your thing. Another podcast, maybe from the Juicebox podcast. Tell a friend about it. I mean, I guess you could listen to a different podcast as long as it's not about diabetes. I don't need the competition.